welcome to the Treading Lightly podcast episode five with Julian Lightly and Nick. That was perfectly time, see? I told you we'd been wanting to do that so long. Welcome back, Nick. Thank you. Good to have you back on board. Great to be back. And yes, as I said, we have Julian Watling yep. on board. Excited to have him on. Yeah, from Time, Le- Time Limit Jewels. He's on Instagram and Facebook doing great things with uh, rucking yep. around the local area, which is basically uh, wearing a weighted backpack and going for walks yep. in groups. We won't, um, we won't, uh, won't give away too much. much yeah. But yeah, just, just in all, in, um, all for the cause of mental health. Mm-hmm. So... Looking, looking forward to this one. So, I think we should just leave them with it. Yeah, that's what I think. Go, enjoy, guys. Bye. Training. We should start with this. Yeah. Okay. What is it? We've already started, <laughs> guys. <laughs> um, Jules, run us through what we're looking at, because no one can actually see this. So, listening. so this is a. Um, it's just a little infographic from uh, from a fellow named Dan Buchner who wrote a book called The Blue Zones. And uh, I think you guys talked about this a couple of sessions yeah, ago. Yeah, it came up with Marianne. Yeah, so yeah. there are a few sites around the world that uh, have a particularly high number of centenarians, so people that live over 100. And what they found in these six areas, although they had vastly different cultures and they ate different food and did all these different things, there were nine common things that they all did um, to help them live longer and... Uh, so they moved naturally, so every day they got out and either walked or did some gardening. They had a strong sense of purpose in their life. Mm. So whether that was just looking after the family, cooking the meals or whatever, they had some kind of purpose, some kind of reason to get out of bed every morning. Um, they had an ability to, uh, to de-stress each day, so they had something that they did on a daily basis to deal with stress and, and manage stress. Um, they had a strong sense of spirituality, so whether that's a religion or, or just some kind of spirituality or, or a sense of be- belonging to something bigger than themselves. Yeah. Mm. So they all had that. Um, a strong sense of family or a strong link to family. Um, they ate mostly plant-based. They didn't gorge themselves, so around 80% full. Um, they had a, a strong social network. So a close group of friends that they would meet up with regularly and they all drank wine, believe it or not, in moderation. Mm. So they, these things, these nine common traits they found in these six areas amongst all the, the different groups of people that live well beyond 100. So there's no magic, you know, magic food or magic pill or anything like that. It's mm. all just simple stuff that we can all do. So all these, what were the, the countries? Do you, do you know any of the actual countries? Or the yeah, so there was um, Sardinia, I think, in uh, in Italy. Oh, right. Yeah. That's it's, funny, yeah. yeah. Okinawa, Japan, Okinawa, I believe. Japan. Um, and the States, there's a... Uh, Loma, only, Loma Linda. That's the one. Day yes, Adventist you. community in, um, yep. in California. Um, yeah. There was... I think it's pronounced Icaria, is it, in Greece? No, I'm not, I'm not too sure. <laughs> I can't, yeah. I can't and uh, there was one other. Um, Nicoya, in Costa Rica, believe okay. it or not. Yeah, okay. yeah. So they were, the, they were the ones that they did most of the studies on? Yeah, yeah. I, I reckon um, Mollymook's going to be one of those blue zones still. So. <laughs> no, that's that's, that's connection. You, you, can, you, you can kind of create, I think, a... Yeah, there's no reason. An area like that. There's no reason we can't. So I'm guessing they're, they're obviously like massive areas that are doing it. They're not They're not just like... So like Milton, Aladala, it's, like, it's like a small region. But if you turn up to Okinawa, it's, like it's, it's, a, it's a hot country living like this and being like this. So you could feel it the moment you probably step off a plane. Well, that's... Yeah, that's true. And I think when Dan Butner wrote the book, it probably was like that. But more recently, I, I think he, um, he gave an interview where he talked about going back there more recently and... Uh, you know, with the onset of modern living and, and things like um, fast food and all that kind of stuff and the Western diet sort of intruding on these traditional areas, there were less and less people um, sort of following these traditional ways of living. So mm. it's, it was almost, in some respects, these things are dying out in a way. So, mm. yeah, it's kind of disappointing. I don't know what other areas are like, but that was, that was Okinawa, so... Can we just bring that back up again and see what, what like, what do you think 
But say, uh, I don't know, you, you, you get off the plane in Sydney, where do you think we lack as a community as a whole? <laughs> disconnect. There's a whole heap of so disconnect. I look, I look yeah. straight away. Sense at, of purpose. I look is straight another. away at move naturally and just like the, the line of work that I do. And I don't feel like everyone does do that whole natural understanding of movement. Like there's a, a lot more of the hamster wheel goes on. Yeah, I agree. You know, a lot of people seem to, um, you know, they go to the go to the gym three times a week or four times a week, bust themselves and and that's it. But I think when we talk about moving naturally, it's it's more of a um, a daily a daily practice that you can just include in your everyday life without actually thinking, oh, I've got to go to the gym, I've got to I've mm, got to do this or do that. Chore off. Yeah, it doesn't. It shouldn't be a chore. It should be just something no. that you do. It's your lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. So. And that was that was the big thing. It was centenarians, but they're still extremely active and participating yeah. and productive member of society. That's right. And so then they had that sense of purpose. Yeah. And it's one thing to live for it a long time, yeah, until you're 100, but what's the point of living until you're 100 if you're Strapped stuck to the in bed. a chair yeah. in yeah. an old Having to get turned over. Home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, bugger that. Yeah, that's right. No one wants that, I don't no. think. I think that um, this is a really good thing to bring up because the moment that we start talking about uh, Jules uh, bringing rucking into the town... So that's obviously a mm. natural form of movement, like one of the oldest school ways of get, getting around, yeah. <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. But, um, but, you know, we carry things, mm. heavy things, yep. pretty often. Yeah. You know, and not just uh, men for the, the ones that think I'm talking about men. It's, um, it's everyone. Everyone actually played their part in moving something mm. with a bit of load behind it. But the moment that we start talking about moving naturally, you're going to go, okay, how, how does that affect your mental health? And where's that on the list? It sits at like number... Number three. Number three. And then you, you know, you've got like a little bit of purpose involved there. Then you, you, know, you get your, your, family, your family involved, which you, you walk with your son. Mm, so yeah. do you want to, before I go too deeper into it, do you want to talk to us about um, how you got into rucking, where it came from, where it... Mm, sure. Yeah. Um, so, so rucking itself is is really at its most basic level. It's just uh, it's just walking with a backpack with some weight in it, um, and you can just start with a kilometre. You don't even need to have anything in the backpack. Just get used to walking. As you get fitter, get stronger. You can increase the the load, add a bit more weight, walk a bit further. Um, and the great thing about it is, uh, you know, you can scale it, so you can make it as easy. Or as hard as you want it so you can walk with very lightweight short distance or you can walk with a lot of weight a long distance and uh, I mean rucking as I know it it's it's a military term so um, most militaries around the world do um, rucking or yomping I think one country calls it or tabbing it's just uh, forced marches so they get their oh, pa- pack marching yeah pack marching so they just get their soldiers used to walking with a lot of weight because you know, in combat, that's what they have to do. They've got to carry most of their gear with them. So one of the fitness tests is like, a, I think, a 12-mile or 20-kilometre ruck as quick as possible. So, And for some people, that can actually seem like quite... Uh, or for some people that do like, are into their, all, all their fitness, it sounds like, OK, I'm just going for a walk with a backpack on my back. Mm. But you, you get a kilometre in, you're like, oh, like a, you know, my spine, my knees, my ankles, like a few different things start yeah. to creep in. Yeah. I guess that's... Where you started to bring the, the, the mental health barriers, like or li- linking, yeah, um, you know, weight on your shoulders. Mm. Yeah, that's right. And and I think um, for me, it was more about mental health. You know, having you know, about twelve months ago, suddenly started to deal with mental health myself. It, um, you know, I was struggling with depression and anxiety, and uh, I just couldn't find the motivation to do anything. And um, and my psychologist actually said to me. Um, why don't you go for a walk? Just start walking. And uh, I said, okay, yeah, no problem. I'll try. Went back a week later, two weeks later, three weeks later, still hadn't done it. She suggested, well, why don't you um, get a friend or put it on Facebook, make yourself accountable? And I said, yeah, okay, that sounds sounds good. So um, I actually got in touch with a friend of mine from high school that I hadn't seen in roughly 20 years, Nick Marsh. And um, and we started talking, and uh, we just met up for coffee, and and I think we both thought it was just going to be a, a bit of a uh, 
a laugh about, you know, remember the old days, what we got up to at school and that kind of stuff. And he looked at me and I looked at him and uh, it ended up being kind of a heart-to-heart about what we'd both experienced in life. And we said, well, let's meet up next week and we'll go we'll go rucking. We'll, we'll put some weight in a backpack and we'll go for a walk. And I think at the end of the walk we knew more about each other after an hour than we'd ever known about each other in you know, roughly 30 years of knowing each other and uh, and we just found that walking side by side it was a very um, non-confrontational way to talk about stuff mm. so we, you know we started talking about mental health and I started talking about what I was going through and you know Nick's story is his story so I don't want to you know say anything about him but I found it you know quite therapeutic and mm. um we got back and we thought, let's let's continue doing this. So it just mm. started, the two of it's us just started a, as a week-by-week week thing. And um, were, you, were you eating I've, – I've noticed that you've posted a few things on Facebook about like, you know, good, fairly good nutritious meals, mm. um, plant-based. Yeah. Were you eating like that before you were into the – you got into the rucking? I had been on and off, um, you know, because I, I used to do a lot of – um, triathlon and and things like that. So um, you know, you try and improve your performance and all that kind of stuff. You know, even as a recreational athlete, so you look for healthy ways to do that. And I used to come home for a long ride and smash a two hundred gram bag of salt and vinegar chips and a two liter bottle of Coke after a long ride. <laughs> and you know, I had coaches tell me you know, that's probably not the smartest thing to do. So I started looking at other you know, more healthy ways of eating and, um, you know, keto diet, that was that was one thing that I tried, so a high-protein, mm-hmm. uh, low-carb way of eating and I lost some lost some weight on that, which was good and um, but felt terrible all the time, just felt really nauseous and sick in the stomach and, mm-hmm. and all that sort of thing and then um, just through watching a few documentaries, discovered plant-based eating and read a few books about it and thought I'll give that a go and uh, and I did and I found that sort of suited my body mm-hmm. and just made me feel better, gave me more energy, still eat a little bit of meat from time to time mm-hmm. when my body feels like it so I've, over the years I suppose I've learnt to listen um, but with the mental health stuff that's kind of thrown a bit of a spanner in the works here and there so you know the, the eating has gone up and down over the last couple of years. Um, but generally, yeah, it's a plant-based diet most of the time. Do you, do you notice when you eat badly how that affects your mental health? Yes, definitely, particularly sugar. Mm. Um, uh, I feel the next morning, or even you know, an hour after eating, you know, something like a bag of, or a you know, box of chocolates and some soft drink or something like that an hour later you have that massive sugar crash or I do mm. just you know drowsy want to go to sleep on the couch and the next morning I wake up feel like I've had a big night on the town with alcohol the furry tongue feel like I've got a hangover it's mm. awful it's just sugar mm. it's just sugar that's all it is so you know that's, I mean that's only my personal experience I can't oh, sure. say that's for everybody but yeah and that's the thing I guess it's just I've learnt to, over the years, take what I've learnt from eating healthy and training and that kind of stuff and give it a shot, try and work out what works for me and what doesn't work for me and and just run with that. Mm -hmm. And I find the rucking in particular just works for me. I hate going to the gym, you know, I I cannot stand it. Um, I just don't like being in there amongst other people. I I find I spend more time watching what they're doing than, than... doing what I want to do and I feel a bit paranoid about being watched so I like rugby. This is like just a general gym you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just not a not a place for me so yeah, but I find with the rucking, you know, the the heavy bag on my back I've found over the last um over the last 12 months I, I had put on well, from the time I left school until about 12 months ago I was 75 kilos when I left school and I was 101 kilos 12 months ago. And I started rucking in, well, February this year and I've dropped 
from 101 down to 83 kilos. Oh, yeah. Just from just from rocking. Going for a wonder. Yeah. It's okay. not. You're not just going for a walk though. Like you've got 25 kilos on your back. I was yeah. going to ask, is that, is that what you're carrying? 25 kilos? Yeah, most of the time I do. I, I, again, I mix it up depending on how my body's feeling. So yeah. if I don't. I think that's great. important. Yeah. yeah, Jules. Jules rocked up today with the with the bag on his back, sweating, sweating <laughs> bullets, spray, spraying it all over it <laughs> as, as he walks in, telling us that uh, when he's on his on his little journeys, some people pull over and like, oh, mate, do you need a hand? Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're all right. Yeah, yeah, it gets a bit ugly at times. What, what did you say? Oh no, I actually do this for fun. Yeah, that's right. I yeah. get a few funny looks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, keep going. Yeah. I remember there was a time training with a friend one time. Um, we were pushing a pushing a car just up and down a, a street because <laughs> we didn't have a, a sled to push. We were younger and had kept um, like having people that would drive up to us and obviously ask the same question like. You guys, are, you guys need to start there. No, we're doing this for fun, for fitness. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it sounds like a good idea. I know. They, yeah. probably, thought, they probably thought you are trying to steal it. It, it's, it, is, it is. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, in, in Cronulla and the, the yeah. Badlands. But that, that's, it's funny that the most simple things, like not, you know, you don't have to go into, mm. and this is for everyone, like you don't have to be in a, um, in a gym setting where you're paying thousands mm. of dollars per year but um to to get a feeling or like just using your surroundings Mm. even like you you've got a a backpack and and put some weight in it and it's giving you and what what have you lost yeah 17 odd kilos it's obviously helped you helped your mental health start to feel even better and yeah that's right and um you know with the backpack too it's not just about carrying it on your back yeah some days i feel like doing a few resistance exercises you know so i'll pull it off and i'll do some some rowing with it or some you know sort of dumbbell swing kind of things with the bags or some overhead presses or you know a few push-ups with the bag on my back so it's like being in the gym but the gym is on my back yeah and (laughs) and you're outside exploring nature yeah taking i'm guessing you don't take the same route every time as well no that's right no i try and walk a different way every every day and and more recently my um my six and a half year olds started doing it with me as well. He announced to me the other day that he didn't want to drive to school anymore because that was for lazy people. <laughs> so I'm sorry to everybody that drives their children to school. Um, yeah, you've been told by a yeah, six year old. Yeah, get he's off not. Your ass. He's not driving <laughs> to school anymore. Um, he's going to walk to school every day. So, yeah. So we now ruck to school every morning, yeah. and um, and I know that's helped him with his uh, martial arts that he does and his swimming and. And he just loves it. And every morning, you know, we talk about something different. And, you know, the other week it was it was about the fires and the firemen. He wanted to know who was looking after the firemen while they were out there protecting us. And today he asked me about cancer. And um, it's difficult at times because, you know, how do you tell a six-year-old about cancer? How do you explain that, you know, this is what happens and these things can help and these things make it better? But, you know, it's just... Six-year-olds, you know, they, you normally ask them how, how things are at school and, and, you say, and they say, good, yep, no, that's it. Yeah. But I just have found that walking oh. with him, the minute he starts walking, he starts talking. And There's that connection. Yeah. And in the last month, it's been the most amazing journey with him, just wow. talking about stuff and laughing with him. And, and for me, for, uh, you know, just dealing with my mental health, it's been the most incredibly therapeutic thing. I can see it in the body language. Like if I drive past you, <laughs> I can see I can see that you've got quite a good connection with your son. Yeah. And um, would you say like, how long does how long does that walk take you to get to school? Uh, it's about three and a half kilometres. So it's about you know, anywhere between thirty five and forty five minutes, depending on how quick we're walking. And so the average average person would drive five minutes to get you know that, yeah. that, that same distance. Yeah. So if they left half an hour earlier, <laughs> this is this is like yeah, a prompt. It's, it's creating that, yeah. a, a creating prompt that to time the same people to like spend with your kids. Just give that yeah, extra half an hour, and you could have walked. It's so with them true and, because you know, Lincoln was one of those children that I had to put a bomb under him to get him out of bed in the morning. Yeah, and we'd be late nearly every single morning going to school. So you know now we we showered the night before, so he doesn't have to have one in the morning and. 
He asks me to get him up in the morning so he's got time to have oh, a that's great. few minutes on his iPad and have some breakfast before he goes. And he's, he gets himself ready, he gets himself dressed, all the teeth brushing, all that's done, and he's ready to go by 8.15. Mm. Whereas before, wow. I just could not get him. I bet you there's parents the listening car. to this going, wow, like how do I do this? Yeah, let's, let's get a little group together, yes. a meeting spot. Yeah, like a rucking bus or something. Yeah. We meet down near the pony club and all yeah. walk to school or something. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That does sound like something. For and I, I've been meeting actually at, a, at his um, parent-teacher interview at the end of the year. I'm going to ask his teacher if it's made any difference to his concentration. So. Yeah. Because I reckon that helps with... Oh, you have spoken to No, them? I haven't yet. Oh, but, okay. You know, okay. That's one of the questions I'm going to ask, I think, you know, yeah. whether that's made any difference. I hope so. Does he, does he also appreciate Dad's um, Masters of the Universe t-shirts? Oh, he does loves he, it. Has yeah. he learnt all about them? Oh, yes, yeah. He's, um, I've still got Castle Grayskull from, when, from, I think, 1983. I got it for Christmas and I've still got that. So this is, it, this is He-Man for any 80s children? Yeah. Because they yeah. grew up in the 80s? I'm an, I'm an 80s kid. 89 doesn't count. Really count. <laughs> you, completely, you completely missed the bus. <laughs> you missed all the best part. <laughs> yeah, so Castle Grayskull now lives in his room and he plays with Skeletor and uh, Battle Cat. Please tell me you so, got it on DVD. Have you shown? Is it on Netflix? It was. It? it was. It was. It's not on there anymore. I've been trying to get the DVDs. Actually, for I think I did I'd... put it on. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm more of a Captain Planet kid. That was. No? No, Didn't. don't know that one. No, I know Didn't. it because my younger brother. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. There's, there is going to be some confusion no. on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we had our license by then. We were out of there. I want to I hear the reactions from the people. <laughs> I want to hear that. Like, wow. Captain, Captain Planet. Planet. No, they mm. grave it hers. Yeah, he's our hero. Yeah, come on. He's going to bring pollution down there. Yeah, come on. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> that should be our new theme song. Yeah, that could I'll be. I'll pull that up. Yes. <laughs> That's a Nick, you, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. Dotted. Dotted. <laughs> so um, that's the rucking. That's rucking. And, and uh, did you Shave, say it? Did no you membership? Say it? No, no membership fees? No, no. no, it's, no <laughs> yeah, give it a plug. Give it a plug. When, you, when do you do it? Where is it? Why? Yeah, so time limit rucking. It's on Facebook um, and it's on Instagram. Um, at the moment, it's just Wednesday evening, six o'clock. We usually start down at the Ulladulla Harbour. And we just do an hour out to the um, to the lighthouse and back. Plenty of beautiful photo opportunities I see on there. Yeah, on yeah. Insta. So bring your camera, yeah. take a few happy snaps. Yeah. Mm. Um, your dog. Your dog, definitely bring dogs, more mm. dogs. Bring the children as well. Um, mm. My little bloke comes along. Um, it's usually one or two other kids as well. Mm. But, um, you know, I like to tell people it's, it's – for me it's mainly about the, the mental health focus as well as the um the physical stuff so it's just a place to come where there's no judgment if you've got something to get off your chest have a talk about it quite often i'll bring a um a sandbag so just a bag full of sand and i like to tell people that you know if you've had a bad week or you've got something on your mind and and you're having trouble letting go of it let's uh, let's put all that negative stuff into the sandbag mm. and when we get there we'll turf it over the edge so we empty the sandbag out over the edge Mm, and right. um, yeah. and you know we get back and and let go of the let go of the weighted bag and it feels like a, a load's been lifted off. So That's nice. I, I a suppose bit of symbolism that, there, I suppose. But oh, it, yeah. it sort of works. It works for me. Absolutely. I suppose that uh, meant it like clearer, more clarity, um, and concise brain patterns start mm. to evolve when you're in um you know when you're in a healthier state yeah so it's just a byproduct of moving yeah. and moving off and moving with people and getting those endorphins pumping mm. but by you actually physically giving a like a metaphor mm. throughout so people can actually voice more than just like your face value or how's the weather going mm. type conversation yeah 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 and it's very much about community as well so mm. you know i i I don't say it all the time, but I, I do try and remind people that, you know, rucking is about doing things together as a, as a unit, as a group. You know, we start together and we finish together. So that's, I think for that reason, it's a very inclusive kind of activity. So it's not a race, you know, if you're, if you're out there to get there from A to B as, as quick as possible, then, then sort of go on your own. You know, this is not about getting there as fast as you can. This is about going as a group. So, you know, if you're, you are uh, you are fairly fit, 
put more weight in your bag so you, you've got to walk slower mm. because we walk as quick as our slowest walker so and they're really feeling the same weight yeah that's right mm. so if you if you want a hard workout for that session you know, pack your bag out with 20 or 30 kilos so you've got to walk slower and that way we stick together because you know it's about it's about walking as a group and talking you know it's and it's not necessarily about getting all the negative stuff off your chest either it can mm. be just about having a having a laugh having a having a good talk and making fun of each other and making fun of politics or, or <laughs> you know working out who the next american president is going to be or something like that but it's just about getting together as as a group and it's it's sort of ties in with you know one of those blue zones it's about finding your your tribe and having a group of people that you can get together with even if it is only once a week and look forward to that and every week it's you know it's not always the same people it can be different people but you get together and you know that it's just a, a safe place for people to talk and if you want to talk about something that you know and I, and I hope people that, that come know that if they want to get something off their chest, they can, and they're safe to do that. There's no judgment, mm. and there's nothing like that. And they get a bit of a workout as well. Mm. Yeah, I think that's unreal. Like the fact you're creating those bonds and you have the opportunity to talk, it's almost exercise yeah. a bit of a byproduct. Yeah, you know, it is. It's just like before you know it, you've got your exercise done. Yeah. And you've been, you know, chatting and. It is. You and know. You know, we, we talk about sport being good for your mental health, and, and that's true. But then I think about some of the sports I've played over the years and done, you know, football and triathlon and touch football and all that kind of stuff. And they're great sports and I love them. But when you're playing them, they don't really give you the opportunity to, to talk about anything in a meaningful way, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So when you're out busting, busting your ass on the football field, you're not walking back to the, to the ruck with your mate going, you know what, I'm not feeling that great. I'm a bit depressed. It doesn't happen. No. Afterwards, you might go to the pub and you'll have a few beers, but that's... And then they, that's then they spill it. Yeah. <laughs> talking shit to each other and, yeah. you know, yeah. giving each other... Well, that's other what the, the culture also... Yeah. <clears throat> that could also do with a bit of revamping, couldn't yes. it? Yes, so, yeah. Know, especially in the, in the rugby scene yeah. but like any I, I, I didn't mean to pick on football I mean it's, oh, it's any no, sport like it's where a, you're it's really actually, working it's, it's actually yeah. it's actually a lot of sports yeah. that have that culture attached to it rather than um, going away and like you know nourishing your body after mm. it, you just go and do the complete opposite yeah. and uh, it's not until I think like we're in a bit of a, um, a changing era at the moment with how much more there is about you can do about it um, yeah. that, that era is get, getting flushed out because people are realising no, I actually would prefer to be in a healthier body and, mm. and my mindset as well. Yeah. Um, we would love to hear about um, your past uh, work <laughs> as well. Okay. It's also kind of um, led you to start to want to do more things with uh, mental health. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've done a lot of things over the year. I'll, I'll rewind a little bit, I suppose, and, and give you the... The work background oh, back side. Back in 1952. Back in my day. <laughs> yeah. I had to walk to school. <laughs> um, so wait, you're saying that the, back in the day they had it right from the work. They didn't, they didn't call it rucking. They just walked to school. Well, that's they, right. They had that, to. That, yeah, that's it. So we're going to have Every a few people listening to, listen to this podcast going, hang on a second. I was Lincoln just doing that anyway. Isn't that just walking with your back? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You go for a hike through the mountains. That's, that's just rucking and, and in the mountains. And we just talk to each other. That's, that's right. That yeah. was communication. And yeah. every family usually only had one car. That's right. No, you but know. this is the new age. This is this is what this is what yeah. we're getting at. That's yeah, all right. That's we, can, right. we can make this. We're going to sell it for a million dollars. So I um I left school. I started out in hospitality. Um, worked at different pubs and clubs around the place, and then uh, then I became a personal trainer, and I was an aqua instructor for a few years. That's um, cute. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, that was a lot of fun. You know, it was just kind of a, uh, I don't know. I got out of that because I felt like I was just a, a um, uh, what do you, like a counsellor for people. You know, you'd go to the gym and you'd be standing there while they exercise and they'd be telling you about all their mental health problems and all this kind of stuff. And I think, geez, I don't want to listen to this. <laughs> I had enough of this. I'm aware. <laughs> so I got out of that. But um and that was back in the days when I think it was uh, Network for Fitness Professionals used to be the, the main body in, um, in New South Wales and Australia. And you could, do your, you could do your course over a few weeks and then you'd go back and do another week to learn how to be an aqua instructor and another week and you were a fully qualified personal trainer. So 
So I did that, and then I worked for Quarantine for a few years. Um, that was back in the days before they were the um, the Border Force, Australian Border Force. So mm. I worked at Sydney Airport for quite a few years. Um, and then I worked for Juvenile Justice for a couple of years, um, out at one of the um, detention centres at Reby at Aids. And I was a program coordinator out there, so I used to... Uh, you know, do activities with the boys in the different units. So I'd take them out to do different sports. We'd play football or do some running, mm. a few triathlons. Um, at one point I was even, excuse me, running a, a budgeting program with them. So, you know, trying to teach them how to manage their money real good. Oh, wow. And uh, I thought that was going quite well until one of the boys came back in. He got out on parole and he came back a few months later and he said, oh, yeah. Thanks for the budgeting. I was doing real well, so I was doing my deals, and you know I had my little book with me, and, <laughs> and I was counting up all the money, so I knew how much I had. And then when the police caught me, they looked at my book and they knew, and they busted me. Wasn't quite what I had in mind. You gave him all yeah, the skills. Yeah, gave him a few skills that he put to good use, apparently. Oh boy. And um, and so yeah that uh, that kind of lead, led to working in the big jails and uh 2008 I transferred over to uh corrective services mm-hmm. as a community corrections officer um so that is uh basically just um managing uh, offenders in the community so you might have guys come out on parole or be given a community based order in the community so we just case manage them in the community to uh, make sure or try to stop them from reoffending, uh, and to do that we might assess them and um, and look at why they offended any of the underlying factors so mental health or um, drug and alcohol issues stuff like that and try to get them into programs to deal with the different kinds of offending and uh, you know as you can imagine you know doing that for a long period of time you um, you end up working with guys that have you know committed some pretty serious offences um, and over the years I've worked with uh, child sex offenders, murderers, um, you know, people that have uh, murdered their wives, beaten their wives, murdered young people, um, gotten drunk and you know, run over people and, and all this kind of stuff and, and you read the um, police facts and, and, you, um, and you write reports about these guys and you read the psychological facts and you um and you read about why they did these things and how they were feeling at the time and the underlying factors for them and they might have been abused for years and you know they might have been doing these offenses for a long time and just reading about it over and over and and it takes its toll and um i'd have to yeah and you and you um and when you're trained you you're taught that these things will occur and that there are these services that you can you can deal with or that you can contact to um to talk to when when you have these these issues or you, you struggle to to um i guess to come to terms with things in your own head and um and it's tough though and you, and you think you're doing okay and then um yeah you think you're dealing with it and then one morning in my my situation one morning i thought i was going pretty good i thought i was dealing with it and um uh, one morning I woke up and I, I thought I was having a heart attack. My, my chest was tight and I couldn't breathe. And, uh, you know, I thought I was just, you know, just a bit stressed about going to work. And it got worse and worse and worse. And I ended up going to the hospital. And they did some tests and put the ECG on me. And they said, well, yeah, you do have a heart. So, um, and that's nothing wrong with that. So, you feeling stressed about anything? You got anything on your mind? And I kind of didn't want to say anything but I, I knew I, I had a feeling that that's what they'd say and I said yeah and they said well I suggest you go back to your doctor and and have a chat to them so I did and I, I told my GP how I was feeling and sort of mentioned that look you know I haven't been sleeping for quite a while now and I've haven't been, been having these nightmares and they're getting worse and uh, she said we probably need to see a psychologist so um uh, contacted a psychologist I couldn't get in straight away and um, eventually got in to see her and uh, and then there was the suggestion to see a psychiatrist so um, I called up 
and couldn't get an appointment with anybody. And uh, and the psychologist said to me, look, it's important, you need to get in and see someone as soon as possible because I was feeling pretty, pretty low, like, you know, suicidal, kind of low. Um, because these nightmares, you know, it was... Um, for me, it was just these recurring dreams about these offenders and child sex offenders and reliving what they'd done and, and not just that, they became reliving what these people were doing to members of my family and people that I knew. It's oh, horrible. And then it was changing oh. to me being the offender and all this kind of stuff. And it was Oh, in your, dream, in your so dream you would yeah, yeah, you no. get no rest even at night. And, and, and it got to the point where I, I just, I didn't want to go to sleep mm. because I knew what was waiting for me. And then, and then, so I'd wake up in the morning and I would feel like I'd run a marathon every night and then I'd have to go to work. So, and it, it just, um, and then my partner got sick and I think that, you know, people talk about stress and mm. managing levels of stress and you think you're managing stress, but each thing just kind of builds up that little bit more stress and each thing kind of raises your stress level until it's up around your neck and then That's something the, the happens. Full cup. Yeah. thing that we've yes, spoken yeah. about and then something happens and it just tips over and suddenly it's overflowing and, and you just can't deal with it anymore and I think for me when my partner got sick that was just the final thing that just tipped me over the edge it was just too much you know until then I thought I was managing everything quite well so so I tried to um, try to get in to see a psychiatrist nothing local so I rang everywhere I could find and my partner got on the phone and we rang every psychiatrist we could find on the internet from here to North Sydney. Wow. Couldn't get in. The earliest appointment I, I could get was, I think, um, so this all happened in November last year, 2018, and the earliest appointment I could get was was um, August or April, April 2019. And here I am in, in November 2018 feeling like rubbish, so... Um, in the end, the GP said to me, "Look, I'll give you, just put your name down on, on, um, at three or four centres, and tell them you want to be put on the um, cancellation list, and I'll write you a couple of letters." So that's what happened, and um, and I got in to see somebody eventually on a cancellation list in December, in uh, 2018, and uh, told him how I was feeling, and he put me on some medication, and he said, "Oh, you know, it might take a while to work. You might feel." bad it might make you feel a bit worse and about a week and a half later I found myself on uh, Bannister's head ready to take that final leap and um, that was probably the low point for me mm. and I don't know how um, I guess when you're with someone for 11 years they um, they you know they know you pretty well and my partner found me and she um, she came and got me, grabbed me, smacked me over the head, kicked me in the ass, so to speak, and said, "Come home," and dragged me home. And and um, that was kind of the low point for me. Um, and you know, since then, things have been gradually getting better. And I've been very fortunate to have a um, a team, if you like, of people helping. So a psychologist, a psychiatrist, and mm. you know, my partner and family and you know it's just been riding that proverbial roller coaster up and down good days bad days you know for a long time it's been about trying to find medication that, that works and the family's been walking on eggshells around me don't know whether I'm going to laugh bite at them cry you know and for a while there my six-year-old will go to my partner and go and say what kind of a mood is daddy in before he'd come and talk to me and that's pretty demoralising as a parent, knowing that your your six year old is going to your to your partner saying, "Yeah, is dad in a good mood or a bad mood today?" Mm. So, um, so yeah, that was uh, that was pretty low. And um, had had um, did you find these medications on that on that kind of journey? Awful. Yeah. For the most part, is there, is there awful, a, terrible yeah. side effects. Mm. Um, yeah, one in can particular. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I can, yeah. Effexor made me feel even worse than what I felt before I took it. So, you know, I was feeling suicidal before. Well, 
effects or just kind of took away the care factor. So I was then feeling suicidal and I just didn't care. Mm. I didn't care that I had a family who, who loved me. And, ah, right. And so all that kind of, of really numbed. Yeah, numbed everything. And the frightening part for me was, was in the back of the head. I, I knew a lot about mental health. I'd done mental health first tra- uh, f- first aid and and all that kind of stuff through my work and I'd, I'd worked with offenders who had mental health and even knowing all that kind of stuff, it doesn't... Well, in my instance, it didn't really equip me for dealing with mental health myself. You know, it didn't help in any way because I was still feeling these emotions and, and I still felt this stuff. And, and if anything, it kind of made me feel, in a way... Um, guilty I suppose that I was feeling this stuff I felt like I shouldn't feel like that because I knew about mental health and I knew what I should do and and all this kind of stuff but um yeah it just it didn't didn't help so so when I started doing the counseling and um and uh and the psychologist suggested the rucking um that became for me something that I looked forward to you know, I'd look forward to that one session each week, and then, um, and so even even going through that period of up and down, where I was trying different medications, and and I was feeling bad, and I was mean to my family, and you know, awful to the people I cared about, and I wasn't sure if I cared about myself, and felt like I had no value or, or you know anything like that. I still kind of had that rucking, and and more recently I've been doing. The rucking every day. So now I've, um, I've I've rucked. I think today was 133 days in a row that I've that I've been rucking, and for me it's become rucking has become the thing. It's become the thing that I know no matter how bad the night is before, I've got to get out of bed the next morning to go for my ruck because there's a guy I know in the US who, who's a friend of mine, and his name's Joe Molinari, and. Uh, his background is the um, police force in the US and he's kind of gotten on board with me and he's doing the daily ruck thing as well and I'm because I'm 15 hours ahead of him mm. he kind of gets on Facebook in the morning and he checks Facebook to see if I've <laughs> done my ruck so he knows the next morning that he's got to do his ruck as well so we're kind of pushing each other but yeah. but for me so if, yeah, rucking's kind of become that one thing and I guess and I'd say I'd if there's a message I want to give to people for mental health, it's it's that have mental health or are experiencing mental health, try and find something, anything, one thing that you're passionate about that can get you out of bed every morning. No every matter, day. Yeah. No matter how bad you know the night before is, you've got you've got to get out of bed for that thing the next day. Mm. And now for me, rucking with Lincoln, I know that Lincoln wants to ruck every morning, so I've got to get out of bed for him as well as myself the next morning and it just keeps me going and is he still asking those same questions to your partner before he speaks to you or is it like you know do you can you can you see a big difference in how he's reacting yeah with you? yeah there is so i've been on this 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 medication now for a couple of well probably a month now that's been working and for the first couple of weeks they would both look at me out of the corner of their eye and you could see them thinking when's the explosion going to come you know it was like they were walking on eggshells they weren't sure if this was a a temporary thing or if this was a more permanent thing but I I think um and I suppose you'd have to ask them yourself but I think um they've started to relax a little bit more and and they see that there's a um it's becoming a more long-term kind of positive change I think so, when you were doing the um, the PT stuff, how long ago? How long ago was that? The personal training. The personal training. Oh, yeah, that so. would have been sort of um, ninety five to ninety eight, maybe. Okay, and you, you know, you know how you were just kind of saying that when people were releasing their issues to you, is it like a little bit ironic to the fact that you're you're doing the rucking and hoping that people, well, not hoping that people kind of open up. Well, you're kind of creating the space now. It's almost like it was showing you calling back then, but you weren't ready for it. I think now. so. Yeah. yeah, and I think That's even right. um, even in my careers and in my the jobs that I've had, I do find, I suppose, um, I don't know how to say it. I don't want to sound like I'm tooting my own horn, but I, I do find that people, you know, they're generally quite comfortable to talk to me and if they're having issues sort of tell me how they're feeling Mm. 
So I guess for me, and that's something that I've worked on understanding with my psychologist, is that I'm someone that I think I have a lot of compassion for people and, and I, I have a lot of empathy for people and I think I am fairly good at listening. Mm. So, But I guess the flip side of that is I take that stuff on board as well. So, you know, I'm not only dealing with my own stuff, I'm... I'm taking on board yeah. stuff that other people are dealing with as well, and I and I feel bad for them too. So, and when when you're doing the aqua class, was that was that with the, the older groups? Like the yeah, mainly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The oldies and they used to love getting that's in there with their foam dumbbells, and I used to enjoy it. That's too. what I meant by cute, cute. Dino, it's like it's, it's such a it's such a cool thing to see him getting in there, and they all have that. Yeah, it's a real hoot. Big smile on their face, pump, pumping around, like, and like that's that's they're rucking. Yeah, like that, and if that's could be an everyday thing. Oh, I know my grandma does it and she's she's fully with it at 86. Yep. Um, you know, I could I could ask her any question and she's more onto it than yeah. the average Joe person. Like, um, also studies genealogy. I think that really helps yeah. her brain. But um, just I, I find that, like, that that community, mm. you know, being in a therapeutic um, in a therapeutic sense of, you know, around a, a bunch of people jumping in the jumping in the water you know it's like they're having a good time really when yeah. they're doing it as well yeah, that's right and you've got to have fun i think that's such an underrated thing you've got to enjoy yourself when you're doing these things and i think that's why so many gym programs fail if you, if you stop having fun and, and you don't want to go it's, yeah you're not going to go at some point you're just going to stop or if you have a bad day it's it's too easy to go you know bugger it i'm not going to go mm. but if you've got a group of people that share a common interest or a common purpose it's it's much easier um, the the kids. This is like completely the other way now. The kids that you would have coming into the um, the juvenile centre. Like, did you see this very much like the same upbringing, same upbringing, same things that they were doing, same patterns? That like yeah. you, you could almost like look at that kid and go, I know what you've done, or like pick it before they've spoken to you. Yeah, that that's funny that you ask that because um. You know, anyone that works in that kind of field, I think we often joke about this uh, ability or this sense that you develop that you can you can spot somebody from 20 paces away and know what kind of order they've been on or are on or what kind of offender they may be. Mm. You know, it's a bit, you know, <laughs> it's a bit of a joke, but you kind of can. Yeah, like a, yeah, like it a is, sixth sense. Yeah, it is. So like what, what I kind of mean is it like... Is there is there a way that you you would almost be able to um, have that body language sense like if patterns, you had it yeah, yeah there's, or, there's or, or you can see that in it, it coming yes. in a kid in with it for the future and then like stop it before, like stop it before it gets there yeah, for, yeah you do you know, like in the public these days I think you do you do you, that that's part of um, any treatment program I suppose you, you identify what the the issues are or the patterns are and and try and address what they are and I think you can you, you can in a sense see or or predict certain things may happen depending on what you're seeing now or the kind of behaviors that are exhibited at a younger age but look I'm not a I'm not an expert I'm not a psychologist that's just you know me talking from personal experience oh, but, but you, you've been in the trenches you've, you know, yeah. you've seen it been there yeah what's yeah. it yeah I, I guess yeah you know, I don't want to generalize but you do see particular patterns of behaviour as you, as you go through, you know, you know, with kids and with adults too. That can also be a, a, um, a bit of a detrimental thing to people's eye, to the, to the, you know, to the, to the public. Like you start to, like once you're within a role like that, you can generalise quite easily. Like I know mm. a lot of uh, friends in, in like, say for police roles, it's, it's easy for them to look at someone and go, oh, that person's yeah. in this category. I'm going to treat yeah. that person like this. And then, then they start speaking to them. Like, oh, hang on a second. Yeah, that was a that was a poor judgment. Yeah, we do we do stereotype and we do profile people, and uh, it's part of human nature, I suppose. But when you know, like you say, with particularly with police, when you see that all the time, it would be very hard, I would imagine, not to not to do that because it's not just about um, well, it's about your own safety. I think you know you've you've got to protect yourself, so you've got to make judgments and you've got to make calls to protect yourself when you're out in the field because if you get the call wrong it could be your life on the line or it could be the guy standing next to you that that gets hurt mm. yeah it's not a it's not an easy um it's not an easy industry to work in 
whether you're, you know, you're in the in the prisons or in the community, or the dealing with these emergency services things. Yeah, because I was going to say earlier when you're telling your story, it it must really put a, a negative slant on just how you view the world around you. Yes, you know, because you're surrounded by it so much. It, yeah, you're right. You it's, it's, it's it'd be really yeah, it has made negative me slant incredibly yeah. cynical <laughs> about mm. the world and about people and. Um, and one of the things I'm working on at the moment is, uh, you know, when I walk down the street, I, I look at people and I judge immediately. Mm. You know, you, it might be, you know, the fellow I see might be the nicest person in the world and have a great family, but I look at him and I, you know, I look at the way he's dressed, perhaps, you know, the way he looks and, and that will immediately signal to me that he may be this kind of offender or that kind of offender or, you know might beat his wife or this or that and it's probably not true it's irrational it's irrational thinking mm-hmm. but that's something that i'm dealing with you know like, it also like dropping the judgment yeah mm. but it also makes me um makes me hyper vigilant when you know i think about my own kids who i will let them um particularly lincoln he's only six my older boys they're fine they're grown up now so they can make their own decisions but you know with lincoln it makes me you know, almost paranoid about who he spends time with and whose house he goes to to, to spend with his friends because I think, you know, who are these people? I don't know them. And they might be great people. And I'm sure in most instances they are. You know, but I know from my experience and my training that, you know, the majority of, of um, child abuse you know, a vast majority of child abuse, it happens from, you know, someone the kid knows, mm-hmm. family or somebody close, like a sports coach or a, a teacher or, or something like that. You know, the, the instances we see in the in the media of kids that get stolen off the street or kidnapped off the street, they're so incredibly rare. Mm. But when we look at, um, you know, child abuse and... and um, kids being assaulted we that's what we think of because it is so rare that's what tends to end up in the media you know we don't hear about um all the other kids that have been abused by fathers and uncles and grandparents and all that kind of stuff because um it's this very taboo subject uh you just don't talk about it because you don't want to think that your someone in your family might engage in that kind of behavior and it's not every family don't get me wrong it's not every family but in most instances, that's that's where it's going to happen. I suppose like that hyper vigilance that you talk, that you speak about, like that's um you know that's in most emergency services or correctly so it doesn't matter what service it is like it, yeah. d- it does start to kind of make its way across the board. Like and did you ever when you were um, in a service like start to figure out or try to find a way to switch that off or um, to to like you know you just said you're walking down the street and you'll you start to judge or you start to put people in their own different character blocks. Did you have a way then or did you find... No, um, not really, no. I think um, it's a, it's an interesting question. I think looking back, the way I dealt with it was to just try and uh, try and ignore it. You know, you, um, you know the, the people that I sort of spent time with you know, you, you would have dinners together or whatnot and, and it would consume you. you. You would talk about work all the time and I think that was, in a sense, that was probably the way we dealt with it. Yep. You know, you'd constantly talk about this offender or that offender or, you know, you know, this colleague did that or that colleague did that and, you know, vent about other colleagues and, you know, that's it's just what you do, you know. We all are fighting the same battle, dealing with the same stuff and sometimes you won't agree with, you know, the way a colleague does things or whatever. So it was just a way of sounding off and mm. and that was probably the way you dealt with it. But um, I, I know a lot of people and, um, yeah, you don't really talk about it, but I know it's cost working in corrective services and I'm, I'm sure frontline services like fires and police are the same. It's cost a lot of my friends' relationships their mental health, they've ended up with, uh, you know, various kind of addictions themselves, financial issues. So, you know, it takes its toll in different ways, in different aspects of your life. You might think you're dealing with things quite well, but some other part of your life might fall apart. And, so, and most people enter these services with the thought, like, 
the, you know the subconscious thought that they, you know you're doing this for a good reason yeah it's all happening for a good reason but they end up with a yeah you might end up with your own mental health problems from this well that's right well, i think we all do everybody that enters exactly as you say we all enter with the idea that we want to um so, we want to help we want to, mm. we want to make a difference yeah uh, and i don't think that ever ever changes but for me you know I've, i find it you know difficult to um i guess to to come to terms with what i've seen and and whether what i'm doing is making a difference yeah you know i struggle with that so yeah well, I think the the rocking is definitely a, a positive. Yeah, you can you can you can even hear it in your voice when we when we speak about it. And I, like I almost um, don't even want you to talk about it because it's just it's such a it's it is it's such a like you can you can feel the how how deep and dark it, it is must mm. like, to must be thinking or to, sorry to must be in those thought patterns. Mm. Um, and then the moment that you that we're talking about rocking and the positivity behind that, the voice has changed, and then. You, I think that we as um, as guys from Trading Lightly are trying to get people on, on here are, are trying to shed light on all of the positive things that are happening in communities. Mm. But also um, when you when you listen to something like this and you can you can actually hear in, in someone's voice the positive what like the positive things that are happening, you can you can hear the change, you can hear the you can hear all the um, the mental health aspects that are, that are growing and changing and hopefully in maybe you know another year's time we can have another chat with you and see the see the growth again yeah i mean i think that's a really important um point to make nick is that well first of all thank you for coming on and it's pretty courageous showing your vulnerable side and telling your story and i think that gives um people you know so people open up to you well i think Mm -hmm. it is because you open up and you show and that gives them permission to share in their story and what they're dealing with and I think it can be quite quite hard and confronting um, to be telling those kind of stories and but I think it's important not just to show the light and fluffy side of um, community and all the good stuff but also Mm. shining light on maybe the negative aspects of society and I mean that's how I think we're going to get through is shining light because as you said some of those um, cases of child abuse happen within their own home and things like that and mm. how many stories have we heard of where maybe they open up to the parents and the parents shut them down yeah like that is ridiculous yeah you just you don't want to so, hear it yeah, yeah don't want to hear it can't yeah. confront it well guess what you got to shine light on those negative aspects yeah of society and with your own life and you know your personal journey and things because as you know yourself you didn't open up even in your own story and well, that's right and i think that's that's sorry to cut you off no, there Dean, but i just want to add to that and, mm. and say that I think in you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing, and I think if I'd been able to talk about some of this stuff at an earlier part of this journey, I may not have got to the point where I was. But um, you know, now that I am here and I have just you know gone through this, I totally agree with you. I think it is important to to talk about it, and I'm finding the more I talk about it, the easier it is mm. to talk about it. Like if you'd asked me to talk about this stuff. 12 months ago, I, I would have said, well, you wouldn't have asked because you wouldn't have known mm. about it. And, and I do, I really do hope that by coming on here and, you know, having a chat about this stuff, other people will be able to talk to people close to them and, and just, um, you know, let them know that they're not travelling so well or, or you know, they're not doing too well. But I also hope for people that, that don't have mental health issues they listen to this and think, well, you know what, it, that's okay, but don't abandon people that, that come and tell you that they have mental health issues because mm. that's something that I've experienced too. You know, mm. when you put your hand up and say you're not feeling well, mm. people suddenly disappear. It's too confronting for some people. Well, it's yeah, hard to deal with. Yeah, yeah, it's too confronting. Totally. Yeah. It's a, it can be for some people, it can be very like difficult to actually know what to say. Yes. And, would, what would you say in that point for for someone that is in that in that view? Like I, I know that um, uh, friends of mine have come to me when I was at a point I, I wouldn't have a clue what to say at all. But they just said, "Don't you don't need to say anything?" Because mm. I would tell them, "I'm like, looks, I'm sorry, I don't know what to say." Like, but I won't I won't abandon you, but just more than happy to listen. I just don't know what to tell you. And and I think you've summed it up mm-hmm. perfectly. Yes. Just say 
put your hand on their shoulder and say, man, Hold I don't know what to say, them. but I'm yeah. here to listen yeah. anytime. Mm-hmm. That's, and that's, you know, for me personally, that's sometimes all I need is just someone to listen. I don't need you to solve my problem. You yeah. know, you don't need to be able to tell me, go and see this person or go and see that person. Just listen. Mm. Yeah, just be someone that I know that I can I can vent to or, or get something off my chest if I need to. Or even if you say, you know, I don't know if I can listen, that's okay too. Yeah. You know? But just say something. <laughs> yeah. Say just, something. Just say something. Don't don't like don't um I guess don't uh disappear. Don't cut that person off is what I would say. Because mm. it just makes you feel isolated. Well, and there's nothing worse than feeling isolated yeah. as someone with mental health. Because it is the invisible kind of oh, I think that you might have like someone that listen, someone that actually listens to this and goes, Oh, maybe I'll have you know, um involuntarily, like accidentally, you know, accidentally, sorry cut someone off and um, then they might go back to that person and say, I'm, you know, I apologise. Yeah. No, like I'm, I'm actually here for you because most of the time that I, I hear about someone abandoning someone, it's because that they didn't know what to say and they, yeah. and they, might, and they can just go back to their friend and their friend is obviously going to appreciate it yeah. in that point. So, I think, yeah. um, I think most of us with mental health just want to be treated like everybody else. And the same way, and you know, and the thing is, because it is, and is it a, a bit an invisible thing? Um, you know, no one expects, I think, you to make any special allowances. Well, I know I don't. I don't expect any one or any group to make special allowances for me because you know I have trouble being in a group or whatever. But I think the thing is, you know, if you just treat people with courtesy, with kindness, if a if a new pe- person comes to your group introduce yourself to them mm. introduce them to some other people in the group because you don't know their story they might have mental health they might not you don't know but just well they just respectful yeah. be kind most people no have something going across. on yeah you know, in their life oh we're all a little bit crazy yeah as <laughs> <laughs> humans we're that shit crazy what makes us all human makes us interesting that's it yeah well i think this is yeah i mean thank you for coming up as i said before and sharing your story and I really hope you know we, we, we don't know the answer to all the problems but this is it's step step by step mm. I think we'll get there and I think um, you, you nailed it by saying like actually act on these things as well because you know we're sitting here around talking about it we're also acting on upon mm. it by sharing it with you guys as well and for anyone out there that's actually listening like you know you've you've heard it you've heard all you know make um meditation uh mainstream make mindfulness mainstream make talking to people about yes. these things mainstream actually act on it don't just say oh we've got to do this and we've, we've got to do that it's it's a it's an action and right now you're listening to three people that really really would um appreciate it if you just go and ask your mate are you okay that's that's one way that you can start or even if you um you feel like you've you've snobbed someone off in the past week or month or even year, just go and ask that person or tell them, "Hey, I, I think I might have actually." Yeah, definitely. And um, and it's it's bring just it breaking the, that old conditioning yeah. kind of behaviour, you know. Yeah. And Whereas I feel in, in days yeah. gone by, it was, uh, bury it, yes. you know, which is not healthy. Yeah. You know, move on, stiff upper lip kind of business. Exactly. And, and typically, that led to either uh, some kind of habit forming, yeah, um, gambling or drinking or something. Yeah, to numb. that's right. And um, say good day to a stranger. Yeah. <laughs> Just talk. It's not hard, right? Yeah, that's Just it. Um, so thanks again, Jules. Yeah, thanks. Totally appreciate thanks, it. Been awesome, and we'll definitely have you on again. And listen, do you want to just repeat where people can find you? Yeah, yeah. Um, thanks, guys, for having me on. And um, uh, time limit rucking uh, at the moment, just Wednesday nights, six o'clock usually at the um, Aladala Harbour, just outside Native Cafe, but it's also on Facebook if you want to check wh- which events are on and when. And for, yeah. any, for anyone else that's not within this town, where where else could they... Is there any many other groups that they, you could point uh, them in that direction? There's no other rocking groups around in Australia that I know of, but um, look, hey, you can just one. Grab, a, grab, a, grab a mate, chuck a backpack on, go out for a walk. It doesn't have to be part of a group. Start your own. Mm. Yeah, yeah, but um, just, uh, yeah... Find your find your tribe is I think the message, and find something that um, that gets you out of bed in the morning, and whether it's rucking or just walking or, or whatever it is.
just do something. Yep. Well, you have it. There you go. That was unreal. Thanks, Thanks Jules. And we'll definitely have you on again. Absolutely. Because that was, yeah, awesome. Thank you. It was Trent, a pleasure. Trent Lightly signing out. <laughs> <laughs> Where's that song? Captain Planet. That was episode five, done and dusted. Comedy wants you to heard sing it. it. I just want to sing it. I want everyone Captain to sing. Planet. He's a hero. He's gonna bring pollution down, down to zero. zero. That's kind of how it went, but not exactly how That's it went. All right. I like and it. I think that everyone at home, or at, it doesn't matter where you are now with the podcast, hey, mm. um, would be singing along. <laughs> Will they? <Nick? laughs> yeah, they'd always <laughs> sing along. Okay. Do you want to sing one more time for the? Nah. No. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, we we know that that's <laughs> definitely going to be the theme song of Treading Lightly, uh, and we want to say thanks to Jules for bringing it up because uh, he was wearing what was that? What was the shirt? He Man, Master Master yeah. of the Universe. Yeah, thanks. See, you. that was the eighties generation. I'm sure there's a few of you out there had Sheila. Remember Sheila? He Man. Nick's looking at me blankly. Yeah. He's 1989 born. Wouldn't have a clue. <coughs> Excuse me. So, yeah. Mm. Thanks so much for Jules coming on. Mm. And um, we... Oh, Dean's having a fit over there. <laughs> I think it's because he doesn't know who Captain Planet is. It's, it's, just, it's a curse. Um, so, we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Jules uh, sharing his story quite deep. Doing great things. Um, and also shedding some serious light on a, on a darker... On a darker yeah, things things people don't like talking about. Mm. And, um, I think it's important to sh- sh- you know shine light on those kind of shadow aspects of ourselves and society. And um, yeah, really want to thank him for being open and honest and sharing. And um, we'll definitely have him back on again. And we'll include in the sh- he mentioned it a few times, but um, definitely Wednesday nights he has the rucking. Um, but we'll, we'll put in the show notes where to f- follow him on Insta and Facebook. Alina. Uh, Alina's just putting stuff in the rubbish. Anyway, yeah. that's us. <laughs> um, so yeah, we want to finish with making sure that you also like this. Can, this podcast can be that uh, that one where you actually pull your mate aside and ask him if they're okay too, even your parents, um, anything. Just and get the podcast out there because I yep. think this is we we all know someone perhaps that has um, faced or is facing mm. a bit of depression or anxiety or whatever it might be they're facing. So please get this out there, share it, and um, yeah, hook Jules up if you feel it, just for a rock session. Mm -hmm. Enjoy. See you next time. Ciao. Treading back.